ironic that both Dylan, the man of peace, should have brought such violence to Slain. Today, local shopkeepers and business people were counting the cost of that violence. As the damage was being repaired, a few remaining fans were still making their way home. The local Garda station and other buildings still bear the scars of Saturday night's disturbances. So how did Henry Mont Charles feel now that it was all over? I suppose there is a sense of relief. Um, there is also the sense that what was effectively a very successful concert has had this dark shadow cast over it uh, because of what happened in the village of Slane. In America, it sort of seems like there isn't really super tight rules at the moment. Not not really. I mean, yes and no. It's just everyone is sucking and fucking. Not quite. Yeah. <laughs> well, there, there's rules against that, actually. Um, but, uh, you know, rules were meant to be broken. Um, yeah. <laughs> basically uh we i think a lot of people are locked down uh pretty heavily and uh you know whether they realize it or not like have gotten used to just a more sedate lifestyle but uh jokerman podcast which is the podcast you're listening to now has a secret uh key uh to to overcome this which is that we still travel uh through time and space uh, yes. and tonight mm. we're traveling to jolly old slain <laughs> to the emerald isle the, yes the emerald isle and we're not uh restricted by any kind of uh, lockdown uh rules we're, we we are flying free to a to a slain of the mind <laughs> um to that en- enchanted castle uh I'm Evan. I am Ian. And we are joined by a genuine Irishman for the first time on Jokerman Podcast. That's right. The extremely talented singer, songwriter, and instrumentalist, Kean Nugent. Proudly recording here from Ireland. Where, where in Ireland are you? Currently, I am in my family home um, in Shankill, County Dublin, which is um, it's kind of like the deep suburbs. Of Dublin. Of Dublin, yeah. Sure. I moved back here kind of about the the beginning of the lockdown last year, right? And it's been um, it's been pretty nice to to get to beside the sea here, get to stretch the legs, right? Can't complain too bad. I went for a little swim this afternoon in the sea. In the sea, it was very cold. It was uh, I, Jesus. I can imagine spearheaded by a friend of mine who um, a lot of people think because there's been so little to do this year, a lot of people are doing the sea swimming. But I've uh, abstained for most of the winter, and now we're um, now I'm kind of dipping the toe. Sure, that's uh, seems like a real kind of way to really, really feel yourself and kind of get back in touch with your humanity. Yeah, it's also just kind of painful. <laughs> that's kind of what I meant. Unfortunately, Slain is uh, got dusty, dusty uh, cobwebs blowing through it at the moment. No uh, rock and roll. Yeah. So Slain, uh, I guess we, you know, we are just ignorant Americans. I don't know about Evan. I've never actually been to Ireland. I've been to Scotland and England, but never, unfortunately, have made it to Ireland yet. But Slain, as far as I understand it, pretty close to Dublin, right? It's like 30, 40 minutes north. It is. I have I have not been to Slain myself either. Um, Got it. My oh. but, um, this is a huge disappointment. What have you been doing your whole life? I know. <laughs> I don't I don't really remember when the last time they had a big gig there was. Um it's certainly evocative of a time and place, the Slain concerts. Um, the, you know, the kind of, I guess the heydays were the 80s and 90s. So that was like a thing, like the Slain concerts in general. Yeah, big, big thing in the, in the 80s and 90s. Um, this was the first one, however, is, right? Like the first big show? It's like, well, I was just having a look there on the Wikipedia, and I think the first one was uh, Thin Lizzy in 1980 or 81. Maybe it was maybe it was Phil Linnett, hmm. Phil Linnett solo, and then there was a U2 one. So I think there was a couple before right. that was the U2 one, yeah, because U2 was actually at Slane Castle uh, recording the Unforgettable Fire when when this show happened. Um, that was their home base temporarily, Indeed. which is why Bono. 
uh, ended up just stumbling out like a jackass on stage to n- misremember the lyrics to several songs. Oh, I, we'll get into that. But we'll I, get into that. I, I suppose we should do a little bit more of a, a proper introduction um, in general to the slain experience. Uh, um, this has been a running thing on our program <laughs> for quite some time. Um, it all started when uh, we just first became aware of the Slain concert, um, just l- doing some research in general. And uh, it, there's so much to this concert in terms of um, the circumstances surrounding it, uh, the, the, the show itself, and... Um, the the legend that that really is slain. It's a very rich history. Um, Tangled up in slain <laughs> was a, a headline news article on the cover of Hot Press, I believe is called a, a rock. And bag. You mentioned Kian Hot Press. You're aware of Hot Press? Yeah, hot, I guess Hot Press is kind of like um, uh, sort of like the Irish version of like Melody Maker or the NM sure. or something like mm-hmm. that. Got it. So, like, like was cool at one point, but then became uncool. Yeah, certainly. I, I guess in the eighties, there was a. It was kind of the the music music magazine in Ireland. Got it. And then, by I mean, it still exists. It's still an online <laughs> publication. I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna run my mouth on it. It, um, <laughs> it is what it is. Man. They 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 cover music. Just an iconic image of Bob there on the cover. Yeah, it's a beautiful photo. So this was from 1984, and uh, have you heard this show before? Were you were you aware of the the, the Slain concert before we uh, asked not, you? Not to particularly. Talk about it? <laughs> uh, it was it was only when I started looking into it that I that I saw the rich tapestry that is the the context of it. Um, the legend of Slain. The Legend of Slain, yeah. And I wasn't aware of the, um, we haven't touched on the, the surrounding riots. Yet. The riots, the deaths. Exactly. I mean, it would be funny if there wasn't, if it wasn't for the people that died. That's right. Yeah. Um, we were just watching the, this uh, news reel, basically, uh, like piece from local news, I guess, at the time. Uh, how ironic that uh, Bob, Bob Dylan, Dylan, the man of the man of peace, would bring such violence to play. <laughs> and they interview like a local woman who's like, "Slain is my village. My ancestors have been here for over three hundred years, and I, I feel very, very sad and very. I, I, I feel I don't know. I can't express my feelings at the appearance of Slain Village on, on yes, yesterday morning when I saw it. Well, I was well, sickened. I was sickened." What should be done to prevent this kind of thing happening again? Well, the only thing to prevent it happening is have no more rock concerts in Slain. You would be opposed to any further concerts? Completely opposed. Completely opposed to it. Adamant that there should never be rock and roll in Slain. You can imagine it being like a a setup to like a Footloose type movie where like the town becomes very conservative and closes itself off. And then years later, you know, a young rock and roller drifts into slain and sort of like teaches the town to live and dance again, teaches them how to embrace, uh, the music once more. Hip shaking rock and roll once again. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, the, the local residents of slain were, um, more of a fan of his, uh, acoustic material. I don't think they were, um, in favor of him going electric. Well, he's, he's they weren't, especially they weren't quite over the shock of it. Yeah. 20 years later, they hadn't gotten over it. He's very electric in this. Uh, it's yeah. the most electric he's ever been. I'm not over how electric he is in this uh, context either. It's too electric. He is extremely yeah. electric. Uh, yeah. So I guess just to just to make it clear for our our listeners, those of you who aren't as familiar with the Legend of Slain, uh, Bob at Slain. This is a concert that took place on a Sunday afternoon, I think, at Slain Castle, the castle in Slain. But Slain is this little kind of hamlet. Um, kind of out in the relative sticks, uh, you know, people had to come into Slain in advance to get prepared for this concert. There were also tons and tons of people there. I think like forty thousand people showed up or something like that. And so, uh, so the the night prior, the Saturday prior, all the hooligans roll into Slain uh, and start getting a little rowdy 
and uh, and a an actual riot breaks out at I, I think the slain uh, trains the slain <laughs> the slain train station uh. where the slain train <laughs> slain train <laughs> coming arrived. Yeah. Slain this where the slain I think train it's arrived. The, the the rain in slain falls mainly on the train. <laughs> <laughs> you you you've already got you it. You could say uh, a, a hard slain was going to fall. Oh yeah, it fell. What's it going to fall? <laughs> well, I was just reading about this this riot thing, and it seems like I was I was trying to think what what could have kicked off this um, this fury in the town, um, and of course there was a uh, Bono's um, incendiary guesting on blowing in the wind and his misremembering of the lyrics, which yeah. you know would incite ex- <laughs> excitement in any crowd. Um, but it sort of seems like maybe some some people got got a some people maybe got a little too rowdy, got arrested. Mm-hmm. And then I think mm. some other people came to, some other rowdy drunks came to their aid in the police station trying to break them out. That would make sense. Yeah, the gar- the, the, the Gardi, the Gardi, right? Yeah. Gardi, I kept, the Gardi, yeah. yeah that's, that's what the you guys Gardi. call your police over there. Yeah, the guards. That makes you sense. Yeah. Call them. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, it seems like, Allegedly, there was only uh, twelve police on duty, which is um, very ambitious for for forty thousand persons. Yeah. These aren't any police; these are the Gardi. So it's yeah, these are the Gardi, the, the most elite fighting members <laughs> of uh, Ireland's law keeping force. The, the Green Berets, <laughs> the Emerald Berets. Right. Bearing in mind also that the the, po- the entire population of Ireland is four million, so forty thousand is a lot of, a lot of us. Wait, that's it. Four million is the that's the full amount of Irish people, yeah. Jesus. So wow. what's that? Forty thousand is that one percent of the population? I think I think so, right? Yeah, because forty thousand four hundred thousand would be ten percent of four million. Jeez, one so yeah, percent of all of Ireland was it? One percent of the Irish were there. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's all that's the more a, reason why this is a huge event. You know, it's a this, historic moment in time. You might be wondering, like, why are a, why, why is this podcast, Jokerman podcast, so so interested in Slane and this show? Like, it, surely it's just a show like any other. But it's not true. This is a major historical Irish event. And um, <laughs> to, to some, you know, it, it was life or death. You know, two, two men sadly lost their lives. Uh, there was chaos in the streets. And yet uh, redemption through the earth-shaking power of live music. <laughs> Shall we get into the, um, the track listing of the great Slane show? Sure. Slane train uh, coming on in. Uh, all right. Well, I guess uh, track one on uh, the great Slane performance, uh, a classic we all know and love, Highway 61. A classic, yeah. Now's the part where we listen to the entire track back um, <laughs> in total silence. You can feel the excitement in the air as uh, as you listen to the the recordings that exist of this show. Also worth worth bearing in mind that this is this is a, a sunny August day um, in a nation that you know on a gets gets above. Um, I, I can't remember American temperatures, but as soon as we get above ten degrees, people start sunbathing here. Which Jeez. is like I don't know. That's like what sixty five or something. So you know, a sunny day in a field, drinking, drinking beers. You're gonna get. It's gonna get rowdy. Gonna get a little rowdy. We we and, you know we have we have our our uh, cliche of being the drunken nation for. I'm afraid to say good reason. And here we were like puzzling over like I don't know what could have started the riots. Um, it's really anyone's <laughs> guess. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's it's like a, it's really, it's like the a legend, you know, an, an Irish myth or something. These uh, valiant warriors that were f- fed full of stout and took to the streets to um, make their voices <laughs> voices known against the the elites. And that's what uh, St. Patrick's Day celebrates, from what I understand. Kian, is St. Patrick's Day something that actually happens over there, or is that a totally American thing? Oh no, people people celebrate. The, the legacy of St. Patrick here indeed. Um, the, yeah, just the other day, I mean, I was kind of, things have been so quiet recently. I was thinking, how are we going to handle a St. Patrick's Day? 
you know, a year of pent up energy of what's going to happen. I was kind of expecting all out um, Armageddon on the streets. And I took a little, I've been cycling around on my bike around here and I was kind of expecting at least, you know, at least a sniff of some uh, excitement out there. And uh, it just didn't, didn't seem to get going. People were very um, well behaved. Wow. People have just gotten very well behaved. That's a shame. I mean, you know, I commend them for it, but at the same time, I kind of want to see a little bit of uh, chaos. Let's see. Exactly. Where's the, where's the slain spirit? It is, it is, it has left us. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, typically in Ireland, St. Patrick's Day is a big, that's, you know, your day to go and drink 15 cans of Guinness on the side of the road and fall asleep on the, on the street. I didn't know if it was an actual kind of legitimate Irish holiday or, you know, something that is celebrated in Ireland or if it was like Cinco de Mayo where it had just been completely like Americanized and it was actually just like a holiday for Irish Americans in Boston, basically. But it sounds like this one's a little more legitimate. It sounds like the Irish don't want to like take a excuse to uh, have a good time for granted. You know, they're going yeah, like, yeah. you know, to take full <laughs> advantage. And, you know, there's actually a statue of St. Patrick. At Slane Castle, I don't know if you're right. Know this. Yeah, we just learned about this the other day. St. Patrick was was there doing something in Slane. I, okay, I don't like this version of Highway 61. Very much. <laughs> I think. Why I, don't you like this version? I don't know. It's going to be something that I mention more and more as we go through these. But you know what I gave the real live uh, album, the live album. Uh, I gave it zero out of three stars. um, (laughs) An infamous three-star rating of yours. It's not um, that different than the type of of show that you hear at Slane. But um, that is to say it's like the height of the rock and a certain type of rock and roll uh, vision that Dylan has. It's very, uh, I don't know. It's uh, just full on cornball mode. Yeah, I mean it is. Yeah, so it's appropriate to note here uh, that the Slane show right took place in the summer of 1984 when Bob um, uh, went over to Europe and did one of his, uh, you know, his latest comeback tour. This was post Infidels, pre Empire Burlesque. And this was that that legendary moment in time captured on the document real live, uh, which, uh, as we've noted before, is not not the strongest um, live album in in Bob's uh, canon. I would say uh, some might even say the weakest. Um, but it's it's very much got that kind of uh, cock, well, as close to cock rock as Bob ever got kind of sound, mostly courtesy of Mick Taylor of the Rolling Stones, who was the lead guitarist on, uh, at, uh, at this moment in time. Uh, Kian, in terms of like, uh, eras of Bob and different sounds that he's gone through, is this, is this a, you know, kind of a, 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 an era or a vibe that you, that you dig, or is this not, not your kind of thing? Well, I wasn't familiar with it until you sent over this bootleg and, um, uh, no, if I'm, I'm not. I wouldn't go zero out of out of three. <laughs> I didn't say that about this. I, I, <laughs> I definitely said that about uh, real live, though. But um, yeah, and you know, he's, even he's got a good band together. He's got um, keyboard player from the Faces. Ian was it Ian McLagan or mm-hmm. Ian? Uh, and he's got Mick Taylor. You know, that's kind of a you know certainly got the recipe for a good band, band together. Yeah. I was just looking there at some of the, you know, like you mentioned, this is a year after Infidels came out, which was what, 83? 83, um, yeah. So this is only, yeah, this is only a year later, really. And um, I also noted that this is just a few a few months after he, the legendary performance that he gave on Letterman with the plugs as his backing mm-hmm. band. As all Jokerman uh, listeners are very familiar with. Very different kind of sound. Yeah, so he was really feeling feeling it out with the you know he's got the kind of reggae feel on uh, Infidels. Then he goes a little punk for a minute, right? And now big arena rock kind of thing. The second track that they play is uh, I'm I'm embarrassed that I did not realize this until we sat down to uh, look at this 
whole show more closely, but it's none other than Joker Man. It's Joker Man. The one and and it's a pretty good version, I have to say. It's it's much more faithful to the studio rendition than the the great version from Letterman with the right. plugs. Yeah, I mean, in if you'd asked me maybe five ten five ten years ago, which was my preferred version, I would have gone with the plugs version. But the um, the infidels version has grown on me. Oh, maybe really? I've, I've matured yeah. a little bit over the past few years, like a fine whiskey. <laughs> yes. To appreciate that, um, that's the sign of a real mature Bob listener. Yeah, exactly. To appreciate that um, reggae mixed with Mark Knopfler uh, sound, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, they're that's the thing about Bob Dylan is all all these shades. They're all good. He makes it work most of the time. No pun intended. There, he he does make it work. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's a mixed bag. It is a mixed bag. But even even still, like I uh, like one there there are a couple of different bootlegs of this uh, of this show. Neither one is super great. There, there's one initially that I was listening to uh, that I sent you both. Uh, that was like a soundboard riff that was like part of the the sound uh, or part of the the set um, about half of it. And then there was another one that's like an audience tape uh, that has virtually the whole thing. It's like thirty songs long. It's like a two and a half hour set. Um, and, uh, and it's just, it's kind of fun to hear the audience tape and the people that are there like at the time. Cause they're so like, there's so much inner, even, even this weird set with this weird band, this weird kind of sound, there's so much like energy and good vibes and people are just like so psyched to like, to be there listening to Bob. This was like his first show in Ireland, I think in two decades at this moment in time. So like there was a lot of, it seemed like there was a lot of pent up energy for Bob at this moment in time. Uh, uh, there in uh, in in Jolly Old Slain. Yeah, I mean, he's. Uh, I kind of feel like this band and this sound is sort of him trying to. He's trying to get. Um, he's trying to fill these big rooms that he's playing in. Right. Exactly. It's, it's kind of. I guess there's this this weird thing that happened in the '80s where um, rock concerts got bigger and bigger and bigger, um, and the music kind of has to. Uh, modify itself for these different spaces right a friend of mine has an interesting theory about uh about record production as well from this period because mm. now to give full disclosure i've always been a, a kind of an 80s sucks sort of a person you know i'm kind of with you on that really just on the whole really ian you're ian you're you're like the biggest defender of tight connection in my heart you're gonna say the 80s suck yeah well just it's it's you know let's let's just let it sit there for a moment okay you know you've got um i guess it's uh you know record production development kind of got to a point um where i I feel like the the interplay of the audience size and venue size people started playing in these big stadiums Mm. and the music is sounding different in these places and it sounds like they're playing in huge huge arenas and then when they got back into the studio and um you know not point the finger at anybody but so much cocaine going around (laughs) um people start wanting to kind of i guess the maybe there was so much money so much um influence and producers that are kind of trying to flatter the egos of the musicians and they're kind of giving them these like big uh you know, they're sort of giving them back the here. It sounds like you're playing in a stadium sound. Right. And so it's sort of, uh, I think uh, people's egos got involved in the production of the music and people were sort of like, yeah, it sounds, we're, it sounds like we're playing in a huge arena. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Or, or the, the sounds themselves, just like the gated drums, they like, they're more aggressive. They're more intense. They're like bowl you over and just be like, wow, this sounds fucking amazing, man. This is so great. And then uh, years pass, and everybody sort of looks back and is like, well, "What's well, why do these drums sound like that?" <laughs> yeah, everybody got you know the heat of the moment. You had to be there. I think that's this is the same thing in different language, but that we were talking about with Matt Evan, uh, Matt Farley uh, on the episode with him, uh, like sound that goes in versus sound that comes, sound, sound that comes yeah. in versus sound that goes out. In the eighties, there was this a lot of coming in kind of sound right, instead right. of going out, projecting out into like tightening the, you know, up, get everything getting exactly. really tight or like really sharp and punchy. 
and not really being like this big expansive thing. So the weird thing about Slain, I guess, uh, from a audio standpoint is it does have this like very aggressive sound. Um, but it also, at the same time, it feels like an outdoor show. It just has this kind of, um, strange mix uh, when you're listening to the bootleg of like a, a natural sort of, um, spirited crowd in the open air and this music that's just kind of pummeling. Um, yeah, it's not very uh, precise kind of music. It's more it's more hammer, less scalpel kind of thing, yeah. which works in some contexts, but not I all. I mean, if you were really drunk at this show, like I'm sure you were having a pretty good time for a lot That's of That's what it. I was just going to say. If I were in the Slain audience, even with this fucking like kind of band setup, and Bob was up there singing Joker Man, and you know, just Slain yeah. Castle is there in the background, and it's this beautiful August day, like Keen was saying, like there's no way I would not just be completely hyped up and like loving it. Maybe especially uh, like with those conditions, like this. this could, <laughs> maybe this is a great show uh, when you just sort of tune your expectations, kind of get yourself uh, do a, do a guided meditation. You're in slain. You know, there's a leprechaun and four leaf clovers, <laughs> and, uh, and you have a pot of gold. Uh, yeah, you're wearing head to toe Guinness merchandise. That slain train is just rolling down the track, it's just rolling on in. And I'm listening to Just Like a Woman, the fourth track here right now, after All Along the Watchtower, and it's pretty great. Yeah. There are some good uh, some good versions of some of these songs in here. We probably don't need to like we you know it's it's a two and a half hour set. We probably don't need to spend uh, no. you know too much time talking about each and every song. But um, you know these first couple tracks: Highway sixty one, Joker Man, All Along the Watchtower, Just Like a Woman, Maggie. That's Farm. a great like, five that's an unimpeachable yeah. five song run. That's a really good first five. Uh, Kian, what do, what do you think about like uh, just standouts for you? Like what what pops out to you on this track list as something that gets you excited? Well, I'm I'm a I'm a just like a woman fan. I I know it's a kind of a divisive song for some people. Is it? Yeah. I feel like uh, some of the lyrics are a little divisive. Yeah. Right. Um. Because some people th- feel it should be just like a man. Yeah, yeah. Well, or just like a person, maybe. Just like a person, yeah. Um, but it, um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's a good song. That is a hot take, Kian. Yeah, no, yeah, it's controversial. I know. I like that line. Um, when we meet again, introduce us friends. Please don't let on that you knew me when I was hungry. I was hungry, and it, it was, was your, your world. world. Yeah. yeah, that's a good. That's a good. Um, good line. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, thinking about the the kind of sound that he's got, Bob has in this, I feel like this is sort of Bob trying to do a, he's trying to give the the crowd what they want, right? He's trying to give, he's trying to give it a, give a sort of a greatest hits with a with a, a powerful band, a muscular band, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, kind of and a contemporary know, sounding band. I guess the thing about you know, I was um, a friend of mine and, and I we we. Um, we've developed this thing where we kind of like to guess people's star signs. Okay. It's, um, it's, uh, you know, it's been, it's been a tough year, so there's been, there's not been a lot to do, but it's it's sort of fun to guess, you know, like famous people's people who you maybe have a, have some sort of a personal relationship with, but you don't know personally. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, I was thinking about Bob and I was thinking, you know, what is he? He's got this kind of, um, He's got, you know, there's a duality with Bob. He's got these two sides. Yes. And um, some of that is, you know, he sometimes wants to please. Sometimes he doesn't want to please. Sure. Mm-hmm. And I kind of felt like, oh, he's kind of a Gemini. He's yes. got mm-hmm. this, like, dual thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I looked him up, and he is indeed a Gemini. That's, sure that's, enough. That's totally right. I think we had the same the same interaction on an episode once. Yeah, well, oh, yeah. with Ian, yeah. Uh, Ian Spinonius was... Uh, was it on the Ian Spinonius one? Yeah, he's also very into... Uh, astrology astrology and, and we were talking a bit about um dylan and his gemini tendencies and and sort of prime gemini qualities he's he's such a textbook gemini yeah, yeah. and you know there's always been this thing with him where he with bob where he wants to he wants to be accepted and he wants to be kind of a pop star but he also doesn't 
he's right. resistant of it as well. There's always this kind of like interplay. And um, you have you you know that that clip from like um, his sixty was it the sixty six tour, the electric tour in the UK, or was it sixty five? Mm-hmm. The one well, where he's in the UK and Ireland. Right, I think there were there were both of them, um, but I think the Ireland one was sixty five. Like the one where the with the Royal Albert Hall show and that well that would have been sixty six then. Mm-hmm. The okay. Eat the Document tour. Right. Yeah, I, I believe. yeah, and you know, there's all these kind of a lot of people asking a lot of things of him, um, socially, personally, artistically. He's highly in demand, and um, there's that footage where he's in the car, and he's in Ireland, and there's these two like kind of like teenage these like t- teenage kids who look. They just really, it's really hard to believe that they're teenagers because they look so like middle-aged people. They just look like, <laughs> yeah. like people that were always middle-aged. <laughs> and they're asking him like, I would just, I would just sign the piece of paper. Would you give us a signature? Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, you don't need it. And he's giving them this like, and oh, what's the matter with them today? <laughs> and, uh, you know, there's always this, uh, particularly in Ireland, this kind of um, sort of a, uh, there's like a distrust of pretension in, in art. Sure, sure. Yes, Distrust, the, uh, sort of like a, come on, you have to do, it's because uh, we've got this kind of history of like music as a social thing. And, you know, right. mm. you're, you're at a part, you're at a family gathering. Somebody's called upon to do a song. It's a different um, musical history to that of pop music. Right. And uh, there's this kind of, um, you know, Bob sort of uh, exists in this weird um pop world and also in the folk tradition right and um yeah, yeah there's this kind of you know they're they're just like well why is he being weird why won't he just give us an autograph we want, <laughs> like what's what's so strange about him that he can't just you know do this for us because he's yeah, very sensitive he's sensitive to the vibes that, that he doesn't want to be just uh made to do something like that like there's even a video of him in the in the 80s right around this time or not too far from it when he's I believe it's during the filming of Hearts of Fire the great film that he's in yeah. and he's just like talking to some kids like literally like 11 10 year olds like in a parking lot and they're like can we get your autograph and he's like maybe <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to like a child he's like we'll see yeah he doesn't really know which side of him to trust you know he's kind of he wants to be accepted, but he also doesn't want to be as well. Exactly. He's got like an impish quality to him, uh, honestly. Like he, like he's kind of sort of like a trickster and likes to sort of like, you know, um, uh, uh, be mysterious and, and play around with people and just kind of fuck with them. I, I always kind of imagine him as like a, like a vaguely kind of mystical figure who can like, you know, snap his fingers and transport around the world. I mean, I think that yeah. the, he's either that or he's like slightly bipolar or a combination of the <laughs> yeah, two. He, he just has he's, BPD. Yeah. He's, he's, he, it's just anyone's guess, like what mood he'll wake up in or just like his mood can shift pretty wildly. Um, right. I mean, you see that all over this set in a way. I mean, the next track is licensed to kill. It's like a totally like moral grandstanding type song, but it's right. delivered here not like that. It's just kind of like any other rock jam. His his anti space travel anthem. Yes, which yeah. I am very sympathetic to. I, I've made clear. <laughs> First step was touching the moon. Yeah, we're dealing with the same issues now with Mars. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I brought up the that's... same thing when we talked about the album, the Infidels album. Yeah, we should never go to Mars. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, we're still dealing with man's desire to colonize nature. And, um, you know, we have to see ourselves as being a part of it rather than something that can we can dominate. That's so yeah, true. The, front, the frontier has finally been closed here on Earth. The last thing we need to do is open up a new frontier on a totally different planet. Yeah, we, we maybe need to, like, deal a little more responsibly with the planet that we have. Yeah. Before just going and fucking up the next one. If you do listen to the lyrics at Slane while you're like partying down at Slane, maybe in between sips of Guinness, you'll catch that sentiment, and you'll your life and your viewpoint on the world might be changed a little. Uh, a little and, nugget of wisdom and license to kill. A very brief and a concise but a good version. It's just it has 
it has to be mentioned, Dylan's like most stereotypical type Dylan delivery is going on here where he's like, License to kill. It's like he's got that voice going big time on the entire. Like this is kind of the the high water mark of that vocal delivery. I think across his entire career. Yeah, this is post Budokan. This is this is just fully eighties Dylan delivery, which is that like high pitched whine. Yeah, and he's very, um, you know, he's almost percussive in his singing. He's very staccato. And he's, yeah. uh, I don't know when it happened specifically, but when he decides that he's going to do the songs in such a way that you can't sing along. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's going he's gonna to perform the songs with like a much more um, either delayed or early timing. It on seems the lyrics. that this was a really right. early example of that where he it's if, if that's his goal to make it so you can't sing along. I don't think that he's fully going for that because. There's a lot of moments on this when um, you hear the crowd sing along and they're really not having any trouble singing along. He sticks to really uh, pretty steady rhythms on a lot of it. But, of course, like we talked about not not so long ago, uh, Dylan's like wavering willingness to please eventually just turns into basically like, I will never sing a song in such a way that you can effectively sing along with me. Sing along with me. <laughs> yeah, and I think that this is something that really challenges the Irish audience as well because they have this real uh, real desire to sing along. Yeah, <laughs> just yeah. a desire to, to like, you know, I've, I've heard so many you know, times that I've spoken to people's parents or something that have gone to see Bob Dylan with like a kind of a cursory knowledge of his music. Right. And being like, well, I wanted to, I wanted to go to a good concert and get to see, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and then what the hell was that? He's a bastard, this guy. Like, why is he doing it like this? And you really have to kind of give him a little, uh, you have to give him a lot of leeway sometimes with his live performances. Yep. That was one of the most striking things for me. I've only seen him once. Um, but uh, when when I did see him, uh, just seeing the people in the audience, you know, it's it's me and my girlfriend, and it's mostly just like, you know, 65-year-old people from Westchester, basically, you know, driving into the city to see him. Uh, and just how badly they wanted to be able to like sing along and like feel like they were vibing with the concert, like how desperately they wanted to get invested in what was going on, but just completely not being able to whatsoever, whether it was the fact that he was playing a bunch of material from Tempest or that all of the old material sounded like it was a song from Tempest. They, they were just completely flummoxed. Whereas, I mean, in the, in the context of an Irish show, like you said, Keen, there's just like, you know, obviously the Irish folk and Irish drinking song culture, it's inherently, uh, by definition, like music that's easy to, to join in. And just like, it's, it's as a sort of functionality as a, as a social thing, um, where you become part of this experience. So it does raise that question of like, well, what is it to be, to be at a show, a live show where, where, where the singer isn't letting that happen yeah <laughs> but uh here you know we i, I think it, it it avoids like really any major conflict in that way because the rock styling that is being achieved here is like probably pretty common <laughs> being for, achieved that's a funny way to phrase it <laughs> uh, uh, what, what's what what he's managed to create uh here. what he has done yeah what he's done on at the slain show is um probably not that different from what r- really is like happening all across contemporaneous rock music at the time like right. the, the texture and the sort of like musical vocabulary is just like there's so many like wailing extended guitar solos on this thing and like uh a lot of pretty on it's not very particularly adventurous with like the drumming or anything or the the rhythm section it's just hard driving like music to um get fucked up by yeah yeah, I mean, maybe that's a concession on his part to the audience. Maybe he's just trying to give them a little 
give them a little room to have fun. Yeah, maybe right. I won't let you like sing along in like a harmonious uh, rhapsody with me, but you can you can jam out and and get drunk and still like have a reasonably good time. Right. Even though it sounds kind of like a big bar band. I think that totally makes sense because you can see it in the track list really that's on this whole set. Like, you know, there's, there's a couple infidels cuts. You got Joker man, you got license to kill. Um, uh, there's a couple, uh, tangled up in blue, or excuse me, there's a couple blood on the tracks cuts like tangled up in blue. But besides that, it's like almost all early 60s shit. Like it's basically all, all the hits from the Holy Trinity. Plus, you know, your, your couple early folky songs from, freewheeling and uh, the times they are changing and that's about it. It's a, it's a very crowd pleasing kind of set list. You know, he, he definitely went out to like play the Bob Dylan hits for people at this big outdoor kind of uh, summer festival concert vibe. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm listening yeah. to the part now at hard rain's going to fall, which maintains a pretty good um, semi acoustic feel. I think the Hard Rain version is actually one of one of my favorites on the uh, on the record, if only because this is one of those elements, or this is one of the few times where the crowd does get into it, yeah, um, and uh, and really kind of it, it turns into this kind of sing along communal experience. You can hear them all going mm. right along with a hard, and it's a hard, yeah, and yeah. it's a hard, and it's a hard. It's like it, there, there's something really kind of fun and magical about that, as, as trite or silly as that that may be to say. Yeah, I wish that. Uh, he leaned in more toward that. Uh, as yeah. you were saying, Kia and I, you can hear moments in this bootleg where the crowd, I think is really hoping that he does stuff. That's actually a little bit softer. They kind of seem to want that, um, more like sing along feeling, which I think would have contributed to like a better overall energy at the show. And, Maybe there wouldn't have been those riots if if Dylan had sort of <laughs> come with just an acoustic guitar or like you know a, a a smaller type of band, a less less aggressive sound. Maybe the people of Slain would have wouldn't have felt like uh, they had to match Dylan's intensity. Right. Yeah, I mean there is a. I feel like in Ireland there's a. There's a there's a Bob Dylan that people want, and they expect, and they rarely they rarely get. It's a tragedy, and particularly over the past few years. Like I feel like there's been so many. Um, I've seen him maybe three times in the past decade or so. Hell yeah. Um, and you know, I've been there. I've been at these shows with my like, my heart like here, like ready to like. I'm I'm ready to receive whatever he's gonna give. <laughs> And I can tell you can tell that the rest of the audience is just like, come on, like we want we want Bob Dylan to play acoustic guitar. We want some harmonica. We want to hear blown in the wind. Right. Yeah. We paid for a product. We expect the product to be delivered to us. Yeah. And I mean, that's just setting yourself up for disappointment with Bob. You really have to just go with an open mind thinking, what what am I going to get? I don't know. I'll, I'll take it, whatever it is. And, you know, I. I saw him last year. He he did a show here with um, Neil Young as well, which was oh, uh, awesome. Wow. It was a pretty epic day out. Um, and uh, yeah, Neil. I mean Neil Young. I don't know if you guys have seen Neil Young Not in, in recent person. years. He's 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 still great live. He really. Um, I've seen him numerous times, and he's always just he always brings a great energy. He always seems to be having the time of his life. He Hell seems yeah. to just really enjoy. He's kind of just this guy who like, got, like did the right record. thing with himself. You know, yeah. he, he became a musician. He's good at it. He enjoys it. And the band always have fun. The crowd has fun. And he's, you know, and particularly for a man of his age, great energy. Um, And, you know, he, he, he did the hits. It was a real, a powerful rock show. Right. Uh, and then Bob came out and, and you know, they, were, <laughs> they were doing this kind of, that sort of, uh, sort of like a 50s kind of vaguely jazzy very restrained kind of show this is, this is standards kind of sound yeah uh, and and drastic reinterpretations of his songs do you remember what year this was this was 2019 summer of 2019 oh, okay wow yeah yeah 
the, so before before Rough and Rowdy Way has it come out? There were some really great performances in, in 2019 that I I've just seen some recordings of. Yeah, I mean, I it was great, but it was um, you he, it, it was a you have to go into him show. It wasn't a he's coming out to you show, mm-hmm. right? Um, he was and he only play, he doesn't play guitar anymore. He only plays piano. Just stands there at the piano. Yeah, but a great band. You know, he's got um, the. The, that band's been playing with him for a while now right um and same band i think that's on rough and rowdy ways mostly it was a great show it was real, it was real um but but the crowd it was the crowd wanted to sing along and they were trying and it just wasn't happening because yeah, he's doing yeah. you know he's doing blowing in the wind like in three four or he's doing um whatever he's doing in a, in such a way that you don't recognize it until you hear the the lyric right and I was thinking about this and I was like, is he, is he fucking with us or does maybe he just needs to do it in a different <laughs> way to keep it interesting for himself? I think that that's probably the case is that he personally feels like he can't do it unless he's doing something that feels new with it. Yeah. He's trying to keep it fresh. He's trying to keep himself engaged. Yep. And you know, that's because he has continued to be an artist. He hasn't become a, a, yep. um, you know, a, a greatest hits jukebox guy. He's like trying to keep himself engaged and keep himself in it. You know, maybe it's just the wine that I'm uh, like putting a, quite a dent in at this point, but I'm listening to this as we go on and I'm starting to feel a little bit more uh, warmly toward uh, Look this, at you. toward everything about the Slane show. Just, I just finished listening to Hard Rain, Hard Slane. Um, and, uh, it's really great. And then into Tangled Up in Blue, th- this is not an example of uh, Dylan being obtuse and obstinate uh, to the audience. It-, it really actually feels like he's pretty intimate for such a big show. But he's he's trying to win them over energy-wise. With some pretty pretty elaborate lyric changes, though. Yeah, the, uh, the lyric changes for um, Tangled Up in Blue are the same ones... Re- Radio blast in the news. Radio blast in the news. Yeah, I don't. It's it doesn't really do a whole lot for me to be on. Like I don't. I I, I like when he changes the lyrics, but the lyric changes aren't like very good. <laughs> I would say. Um, but it's it's still an interesting version of the song, I think. Uh, and you know, one of one of one of the greats. What what do you want? Yeah, it was time to bust out of the cage. Right. That's, okay. It kind it kind of reminds me of you know on that like a live. Velvet Underground recording from I think it's from 1969 where mm-hmm. they do New Age and um, Lou has like an entirely different song written. It's like the "Can I Have Your Autograph?" He said to the fat blonde actress. It's Is like New Age in- a song from Loaded? It's from Loaded, yeah. Yeah, I never got into Loaded. You never oh, got Loaded, into Loaded? Loaded's a good one. Nope. I've I'm a purist. What do you mean I, a purist? I mean, loaded, I, loaded is one of no, the four. No, I I only like the first three. Or oh I look. I mean, I like I like uh, uh, Velvet Underground and Nico. I like White Light, White Heat, and I like uh, the self-titled. You're sicko. I don't care for Loaded too much. My goodness. No, I mean Loaded. Loaded is in the Loaded is in the um, the canon as far as I'm concerned. It's Absolutely, still, it sure is, but it's not in my canon. Yeah. Oh sweet, oh sweet, nothing is one of the most like just like arrestingly beautiful songs that they ever recorded. Yeah, it's a good song. I think uh, sweet, sweet Jane. I think was the first Velvet Underground song I ever heard. I mean, yeah, sweet, Jane is, sweet Jane is terrific. I just I don't think of it when I think of the Velvet Underground. It's it's like a footnote for, to uh, to what I think of them as. You know, you're you're allowed to say I'm a purist. I never got into Squeeze, the Doug Ewell Velvet Underground record. But you I can't very much, it. very much like uh, the self titled album. But Velvet Underground without John Cale is is just not going to be the best. I'm sorry, that's just the facts. I never have listened to Loaded all the way through, even. Wow. Well, <laughs> you're going to have to rectify that for the Lou, the Lou, the Lou cast. The Lou cast, yeah. <laughs> or Metal Machine podcast, whatever yeah. we decide to call it. Um, uh, I had a, a, a quick question also, just the, before I got too far. Was, was Kian, was the, the show you were at in Kilkenny? That was the one, yeah. Hell yeah. I'm looking up the yeah. set list. Amazing. Oh, yeah. I'm curious. What, what is the set list? 
uh, well, there's you know, it's it's quite long, but a couple highlights: when I paint my masterpiece, uh, trying to get to heaven, make yes. you feel my love, pay in blood, like Woo. a Rolling Stone, early Roman kings, girl from the North Country, love sick, thunder on the mountain, soon after midnight, gotta I serve love somebody. Soon after midnight. What a fucking killer set list that rocks. Yeah, that's great. They, His, he's been Neil came out at the end, and they did uh, oh. the circle be unbroken as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. yep. That was a, that was a cool to see the the two of them. That's beautiful. I'm also I'm not sure if I'm uh, I'm not sure if I'm actually allowed to talk about this because I, I haven't I have to sign a non disclosure agreement. But um, cut it out. I a couple of years ago I got a, a my my girlfriend at the time was working she worked worked in um, movie production and she got this this job that was like top secret as to what it was. And uh, we kind of we kind of figured out in advance of it. Like I think it might be a Bob Dylan thing, but you know that's kind of too cool for the for you know it's kind of too good to be true. Right, I can't possibly be actually Bob Dylan. Yeah, and um, so I sort of said to her like on the on the off chance that it is like, can you get me? I I, I kind of need a job on that. Like, can you get me some <laughs> sort of a role doing anything? Like, kind of sweep up afterwards, or you know, kind of do something there. And she was like, well, they, yeah, it, it, it turns out that it is. And they need like roadies to come and unload the... Um, move things. Move the like equipment out of the trucks and stuff. Uh, and I was like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be there. You know, I'm going to, you know, I have, I have to be there basically. And um, so I came and I, you know, 6 a.m. out in the middle of nowhere unpacking trucks. And um, we brought in like... The, there was like a costume woman who had all of his um, his clothing in like this big, you know, flight case, mm-hmm. and uh, the halls were kind of narrow in this place. And it, um, she was like, "Okay, we're gonna have to open this thing up and get it into into his dressing room." Well, Joker fans, if you want to hear the rest of Kian's story and our continuing conversation, you're just gonna have to tune in next time and get back on that slain train. Yeah.